One day a man was given a very special gift, the gift of a free cruise. He had never been on a cruise before, so he was excited to take his first voyage. The cruise came at no cost to him, and the person who gave it to him picked up the entire tab. Throughout the week on the cruise, one of the crew members noticed that the man frequently ate the free crackers and juice provided on the deck. In fact, he had never seen anyone eat as many crackers as this man did. Curious as to the reason why, the crew member spoke to the man as he was disembarking. The crew member asked him, Sir, how did you enjoy the cruise? The man replied, It was spectacular. I have never experienced anything like it before. Very good, sir, the crew member said. And then he continued, I noticed that you really liked the crackers and the juice on the deck. I was just wondering why. Well, the man replied, looking down, I saw all the lavish meals that were being offered all week long, and I didn't have any money. And since the crackers and juice were free, I let them sustain me during the cruise. The crew member replied, Sir, someone didn't give you all the information. When the price of the ticket was paid, it not only included getting on the boat and going wherever the boat goes, but it also included everything on the boat as well. Your food was covered on the price of the ticket. Our faith in Christ and our salvation not only takes us to heaven, but it also provides us with everything we need for the journey. But sadly, so many of us have forgotten this truth because we don't know the full truth found in the Bible. So in times of uncertainty and in times of challenge, such as what we're experiencing now, it is natural for us to allow the circumstances of our lives to affect our attitudes as we lose the joy we should have in Christ and exude a feeling of hopelessness because we are unaware of biblical truths. However, we should not base our attitude on our circumstances because those always change. When we base our attitude on the one who is unchanging and always constant and in His Word, our joy and attitude will be more consistent knowing that we have a friend named Jesus who provides for us with everything we need on our spiritual journey. Imagine a pilot flying by his or her feelings. If a pilot did this, he or she would get quickly lost, especially on a cloudy day or when the environment is such that the visibility is near zero, and he or she would quickly lose their orientation. But thankfully, pilots are trained to fly using their instruments, not their feelings or by sight. Because when they're up in the sky, it's easy to get confused, to think you're up when you're actually going down, to think you're headed south when you're actually headed west and so on, especially when one can't see clearly. For pilots, instruments are their constant. It's their objective reality when they're confused. Such is the case with God and His Word in our life. When God and His Word are our objective reality, we're more inclined to be unshakable with a confident faith because it is not circumstances nor the doubts that affect us because we know truth. As we continue our sermon series titled Unshakable, studying the book of 1 John together, we want to learn how we can build up a confident faith that will allow us to be unshakable in times of uncertainty, especially when deceivers and false teachers try to disturb and cause doubts in our mind of what we hold true in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of 1 John as we take a look at chapter 2, verses 18 to 27. 1 John chapter 2, as we take a look at verses 18 to 27. I read now verse 18. 
Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Here John begins this section by referencing the future Antichrist who will make an appearance onto the world stage in the future seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. And this future Antichrist will rule the world in opposition to the one true God and deceive mankind. And so John was warning the Christians of his generation that there were many who will be like the future Antichrist who were present at the time of his writing, and they were opposing the one true God and trying to deceive them. And this warning is for us as well today. As we live in our generation, for each day is one day closer to the coming of our Lord. And with the rapture of the church possibly coming at any time, and after which the period known as the Great Tribulation will soon follow, we can be warned that there will also be many who will be like the future Antichrist already here on earth to oppose God and to deceive us. And this should serve as a wake-up call to our generation, that we should be on guard and not to be so trusting, naive, and gullible because many deceivers will come and try to draw us away from the truths of Scripture and away from Jesus Christ. This is part of Satan's great deception to lead us to apostasy and to shake our faith to its core by causing doubts in our mind. So how did these deceivers in the time of John's writing mislead so that we can find warning for our present generation? Let's find out as we continue reading in verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Here John notes that these deceivers and false teachers were really never part of the early church of the first century, but perhaps had lived around some of the apostles, even listened to what they had taught and said, and mimicked what they did, but with a different message. Or perhaps they tried to claim some association with the apostles for purposes of legitimacy. But they were really teaching a doctrine that was different from the truths of Scripture and different from what was being advocated for by the true apostles of Jesus Christ, who faithfully carried on Jesus' teachings. That's why the apostle John, in this letter to his Christian readers, warned them that these deceivers may look very much like Christians in how they talk how they interact with one another, and how they interact with you. They may even reference or name drop the same places and the same people that are familiar to you. They may reference the same events, and they may even have similar doctrines, but they definitely are not Christians because they propagate an entirely different gospel message. However subtle, it was a message that did not save. This should serve as a warning to us that the subtlety of deception is such that it's often very difficult to discern what is truth and what are lies. Now, just because someone says they are a Christian doesn't mean that they believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins. You should ask them, what do you mean you're a Christian? And ask them to explain how one becomes a Christian. Or just because someone says, praise God, don't assume they are Christians and believe the same God that you and I do according to the Scriptures. You should ask them, what do you believe about the God that you worship? You see, deceivers today know the lingo of Christianity, and they can sound very much like us and use terminology that we use to try to infiltrate the church and either spread deceit or perhaps they have other evil plans. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, but I want you to be on guard. 
There have been cases of people who have infiltrated churches and small groups to try to spread false teachings or even to borrow money or to sell their products. And this has sadly occurred even in our church. But just because someone says they're a member or an attendee of our church doesn't mean you should trust them implicitly because of the large size of our church. It is very easy for people with impure motives to try to join our community for reasons other than to know Christ and serve. Also, just because someone calls themselves a pastor or has a video or a channel on the internet doesn't mean they have instant credibility. My friends, you and I have to be like the Bereans of old, where even the very credible Apostle Paul, when he preached to them in Acts chapter 17, Luke writes of them in verse 11. He says these words, these Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. The Bereans fact-checked the Apostle Paul to make sure that what he taught was consistent with the Scriptures. So, my friends, make sure that what the pastor is teaching on the internet is consistent with the totality of what the Scripture teaches, that he isn't cherry-picking or selecting verses out of context, or trying to use current events to interpret Scripture instead of the other way around. Sadly, I read last month that the televangelist pastor, Kenneth Copeland, asked his viewers for money to purchase another private jet so that he can avoid vaccine mandates in the U.S., and he ties vaccines with the mark of the beast in Revelations chapter 13. Now, if you remember, I preached a verse-by-verse exposition of Revelations chapter 13 a few weeks ago to explain why today's COVID-19 vaccine is not the future mark of the beast of the future Great Tribulation. Anyway, this isn't the first time that Kenneth Copeland has asked for viewers to buy him a private jet. In an interview in 2019, Copeland claimed that he needed a private jet so that he wouldn't have to fly commercial airlines with a quote-unquote bunch of demons. He also said he needed to fly private because on commercial flights, too many people wanted to talk with him. It has been reported that he already owns three private jets and an airport, so it's really unclear why Copeland needs another private jet. But sadly, Kenneth Copeland likes to twist Scripture to get some financial support, and even more sad is that Christians fall into his deception. So again, my friends, we have to be on guard and know that many deceivers are out there trying to fool us and trying to draw us away from Christ and the truths of the Bible using language that we use, using the culture that we use. You and I need to be aware. We need to be discerning. We need to avoid these deceivers, and in some cases, we need to call them out for the lies that they are spreading. Of course, the best way to discern their subtle deception is to know well the truths of the Scripture to be very familiar and grounded in the Word of God. By the way, can I just note something that is taught in verse 19? That while we as a church strive for unity because of Jesus Christ, in some cases good can come out of division when those leaving are advocating for things that deviate from scriptural truth. John writes at the end of verse 19 that the fact that these deceivers were not part of the church or ever part of the early church community means their truth is not the same as that being taught in the Bible, even if it sounds very similar. Now look at verses 20 to 21. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, 
but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Here in these verses, John continues and tells us that Christians can be confident in their ability to discern truth from lies because all Christians have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them who helps us. This is one of the roles of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. If we are sensitive to allowing the Holy Spirit to teach, lead, and convict us, then He will help us discern truth from lies. Remember Jesus' own words in John chapter 14, verse 26. John 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And then two chapters over in John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. That's why, my friends, we are to live daily Spirit-filled lives so that our perception of spiritual truth to counteract the lies of Satan will come to bear. I can't tell you how many times Christians in our community have come and asked me a question about something they've read, watched, or heard, and it contained heresy. But when I asked them, why would you ask me a question if something was wrong? They would tell me, Pastor, something felt off. Something wasn't right. What the speaker or the author was advocating for was wrong, but I just need help in noting what it is. My friends, that is the Holy Spirit working in your life to help you discern truth from lies. And He works effectively when you know His Word more. Now, let's put it all together. Here's our first principle, number one. Christians need to be discerning with the help of the Holy Spirit because deceivers use subtlety and familiarity to mislead. Christians need to be discerning with the help of the Holy Spirit because deceivers use subtlety and familiarity to mislead. And my friends, I implore each and every one of you to use your minds to think critically. Don't take everything at face value. Even what I say, make sure you check it against the Scriptures to check and double-check and to recheck because it is the Scripture that is our standard for truth. Now look at me at verses 22 to 23. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The main attack of Satan, whether subtle or obvious, has always centered on the person of Jesus Christ and what He accomplished on the cross. Because our salvation, which marks Satan's defeat, is when we place our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, meaning that we believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself, died on the cross in my place, and that by believing in Him and what He did for me, I have salvation and eternal life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here John states that there were deceivers and liars in his time who were denying that Jesus is the Christ. Remember, I mentioned before that Jesus is the earthly name given by Mary as instructed by the angel Gabriel from God. But Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's more of a title. Christ is the Greek word Christos, meaning anointed one or chosen one. And it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word translated Messiah, meaning the deliverer, the chosen one who would save the world. So when we say Jesus Christ, we're really saying Jesus, the Messiah, 
Jesus is the one who saves the world, or simply Jesus, the Savior. So the deceivers of John's time and even today deny that Jesus is the Savior. And how do they do it? They deny that Jesus is God's Son. They deny that Jesus is God Himself. They deny that Jesus is divine. And because Jesus is not divine, that He cannot save the world from sin because He is, quote-unquote, only human. Of course, we know this to be untrue because in the Bible, Jesus clearly claims to be God Himself in John chapter 10, verse 30, when He says, I and the Father are one. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, meaning of the very same essence, of the very same person as God, fully divine and fully human. So that as the only God-man in the history of mankind, Jesus alone can die for the sins of everyone. That's why the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says, By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He was the ultimate and final sacrifice because He was the God-man. And further, that's why Jesus claimed rightly in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because there's only one way to be saved, for there's only one Savior, and that Savior is the only unique sinless sacrifice for our sins, the God-man, Jesus Christ. You see, God cannot die, but a normal person alone, even if sinless, doesn't have the value per se to save all people of all history. He can only take the place of only one person. So it took the unique God-man in the person of Jesus Christ to die for the sins of all the people of the world. Now, I know that that may be a lot to think about and to digest, but it is critical for us to understand this truth because Satan attacks the very person of who Jesus is and gives us imposter Jesuses to believe in. And if we believe in the wrong Jesus, then we are not saved. So throughout history, false teachers have taught the heretical teaching that Jesus is only human, but not fully divine. Or on the flip side, the heretical doctrine that Jesus is divine, but not truly human. But what does the Bible teach? The Bible teaches very clearly that Jesus Christ is perfectly divine and perfectly human, fully man, born of the Virgin Mary, and fully God as the Son of God, God Himself. So the next time someone tells you, I believe in Jesus, ask him or her what he or she believes about Jesus. That's why it's important for us to mature in our faith and to go deeper in knowing what we believe, because we have to understand that similar and the real thing are not the same. Did you catch that? We have to understand that similar and that which is genuine is not the same thing. Let me give you an example. Someone once told me that they can spot a fake designer bag from an authentic, genuine one. I asked them how. And so this person brought two designer bags to my office. One was fake and one was genuine. But to my untrained eyes, they look exactly the same. So when she told me to look closer and pointed out the differences in the stitching between the fake one and the real one, if she had not pointed it out, it looked exactly the same. There were only very subtle, slight differences. She pointed out the differences in the type of cloth and leather used. I was asked to touch the material, and the suppleness was slightly different. 
even the sizing of the logo brand and the zipper used and the lining and the other things I had not noticed before until she pointed them out were very subtly different. And it was so slight that you can't tell really what was the fake or the real unless you knew what to look for. In fact, she told me that there were different levels or classes of fakes or counterfeit products based on the price someone was willing to pay for the fakes. But you know, in my mind, I was thinking, it doesn't matter the different levels of fakes. They're all fakes. If you can afford the real thing, why settle for something that is an unnoticeable fake and pretending to have something genuine when it is not, only for a cheaper price. Would you agree? Why settle for a fake when you can have the real thing? Applicationally, there are many Jesuses running around vying for you to believe in them to be the Savior, but it will take you looking closely at the product to see if the Jesus you believe in is the same Jesus of the Bible. Because unless you trust in the real one, that at the day of reckoning, you may find out that you placed your trust in an imposter and will not be saved. And it is not even an issue of access or price. You and I can have the real Jesus because He offers Himself as a free gift. This should show us that similar and genuine are not the same. Only the real Jesus saves. All the imposters lead to death. And Satan is peddling a lot of imposters out there trying to get you to believe in the fake Jesuses or the fake saviors. Now, let's put it all together. Principle number two. Christians need to know what they believe about the Jesus Christ of the Bible in order to differentiate the real Savior and the imposters. Christians need to know what they believe about the Jesus Christ of the Bible in order to differentiate the real Savior and the imposters. Similar and the real thing are not the same. Don't settle for something similar when you can have what is genuine, and that is the Jesus of the Bible. Look with me now at verses 24 to 26. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Here John encourages the Christian readers not to be swayed by the deceivers, but to hold fast to the truth of what was taught to them since the beginning. Because if they hold truth to those beliefs, then they will be just fine. You see, apparently these false teachers were teaching that believing in Jesus as the Christ, as the Savior, would not give you eternal life. So perhaps there was doubt in the minds of some of these Christians if what they were told at the beginning and believed was true or not. Does believing in Jesus Christ really save us, perhaps, was their question. And if someone isn't rooted in the basis of the Christian faith according to the Bible, it's very easy to create doubt simply by proposing an alternative idea. For example, if I were to ask you, what is one plus one? you surely would answer quickly and definitively too. But what if then I said, how sure are you? Isn't it that the answer to one plus one depends on how you calculate it? Are you sure it's two? But you wouldn't be swayed because you know how the process of addition works and you know the value of the numbers one and two. So you are confident that one plus one equals two. Even if I try to cause doubt in your mind because you are rooted in how numbers 
and addition works. But what if I ask you, what is the square root of 25? Or what is 5 factorial? And you answer 5 to the square root question and 120 to the factorial question. What if I then begin to question how sure you are? You may not be as sure because you are 35 years removed, perhaps, from your last high school math class. Maybe you aren't sure because you forgot how square roots work, or you don't remember what is a factorial. So I can question your answer, and you won't be as certain in your answer to the square root or factorial question than you were to the 1 plus 1 equals 2 question. My point is this. When you and I are unsure about concepts, principles, and truths, then it's very easy to plant a seed of doubt in your mind. And this reality has spiritual life implications. You see, in our spiritual life, if we never level up beyond the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem or that His mother was Mary, to a better understanding of what He Himself claims in His teachings about His divinity and what His death means as He pays the penalty for the price of our sins to give us salvation and eternal life, then if someone were to ask us, did Jesus really claim to be God? or say that faith in Him would definitely give us eternal life? Are you sure? We wouldn't be so sure and thus have doubt if we aren't grounded in the truths of what Jesus says in the Bible. That's why in verse 25, John encourages the readers and us to hold on to what we have always held on to because Jesus promised us that if we believe in Him, we have eternal life. Jesus' own words in John chapter 3, verse 36, reminds us of this promise. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. We are reminded that what you believe about Jesus Christ isn't something to be taken lightly. The stakes are high because your eternal security hangs in the balance. Those who reject Jesus as the Christ, the Savior, will have the wrath of God bear down on them because of their sins. But those who accept Jesus as the Christ will have salvation and eternal life. So what do you believe about Jesus Christ and God's offer of salvation through Jesus? Do you believe it's a free gift for you to accept? Will you accept or reject with the default answer being rejection if you don't come to a decision? You see, my friends, this is the one single most important question in our lives that you and I have to decide and answer for. Satan, the great deceiver, has set up his world system to try to downplay the importance of this decision. We are deceived into thinking that we have time before we have to make a decision. Worry about this decision when you are much older, when you have time to sort everything out. Right now, you just worry about doing well in school advancing through your career, starting a family, enjoying your life, and having a great time. But Luke chapter 12 verse 20 reminds us that our lives can end this very night without us making this decision, and our default decision would be to reject Jesus. Or perhaps we are deceived into thinking that we don't need to worry if you and I can't decide in this lifetime whether to accept or reject God's offer of salvation through His Son, Jesus because if you die suddenly without accepting Jesus, don't worry. God is a God of love, and He will give you a second chance. Have you bought into this lie that there will be another chance to be saved in the life after this, or that all people will eventually be saved? 
the Bible is very clear about no second chances at salvation after you die if you have rejected the free gift of salvation in this present life. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 is clear. My friends, with your eternal destiny hanging in the balance, if I were you and haven't made a decision about Jesus, then I wouldn't be able to sleep well at nights. I wouldn't have peace in my heart. But those that have made a decision to accept Christ, well, you can have the best sleep ever every night. And peace should reign in your heart because eternal life has been promised to you and salvation, your salvation, is assured. So, my friends, I encourage you to place your trust in Jesus Christ who died in our place if you've already not done so, so that by accepting His free gift of salvation, we have eternal life, as verse 25 so clearly tells us. Look with me now at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him." Here in verse 27, John reminds Christians that they don't need to listen to these deceivers advocating that they have a deeper truth or that they have a more accurate truth, a more special truth, or even a newer truth. John says we can trust in God the Holy Spirit's teaching ministry in our life to affirm that what we believe about Jesus Christ and other life principles found in the Bible are true and not lies. This means we need to remain in close fellowship with our Lord and to daily remind ourselves of what is written in the Bible. Because, like with anything else, if you keep on hearing lies without anyone or anything counteracting that lie, you may start believing in that lie. You see, there's something called the illusory truth effect, also known as the illusion of truth or the reiteration effect. And it is the tendency to believe in lies, fake news, or false information as truth or as correct if that lie is told often enough. Repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth is the law of propaganda often attributed to Nazi propaganda expert Joseph Goebbels. As psychologist Tom Stafford notes, repetition makes a fact seem more true regardless of whether it is or not. Understanding this effect can help you avoid falling for propaganda. So you hear things like, you only use 10% of your brain. Eating carrots improves your eyesight. Vitamin C cures the common cold. Crime in the U.S. is at an all-time high. None of these things are true, but the facts don't actually matter. People repeat these statements so often that you and I believe them. Now, the reason I mention all of this is that the illusory truth effect is impacting our perception of truth as it relates to spiritual things. Satan and his deceivers bombard us with lies and misinformation over and over and over again, so much so that while we at first think that we won't be affected by their lies, left unfiltered and unchallenged, we begin to believe in the lies of Satan as proposed by the world, even as Christians, and we begin to doubt the truths of the Scripture. We buy into the lies of this world offering to satisfy all of our cravings and offering to bring satisfaction to our souls without realizing that we will only find full satisfaction and fulfillment when we live our lives for Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to daily read through and remind ourselves of truth 
found in the Bible to counteract the deceptive acts and the subtle lies of Satan and this world so that you and I will be more keenly aware of the lies when we hear it and we will not fall into the illusory truth effect. I know that the new and flashy things of the world with its new ideas and more culturally acceptable, softened philosophies appeal to this generation, young and old. But just because it is new doesn't mean it's better. Just because it is more culturally acceptable doesn't mean it is true. In spiritual things, the old, time-tested, biblically-based principles, teachings, and doctrines of the Bible are what is truth and what is true. And the Bible already warns us that the truths of Scripture will never be accepted fully by the world. The gospel message of Jesus and the cross will be an offense to the world, as Galatians 5.11 reminds us. So value truth even more than newness and even more than cultural acceptability. Now let's put this all together, principle number three. Christians should regularly remind themselves of biblical truths to counteract the doubts and lies deceivers try to propagate. Christians should regularly remind themselves of biblical truths to counteract the doubts and lies deceivers try to propagate. Now let me end with this story. The great preacher G. Campbell Morgan had already enjoyed some success as a preacher by the time he was 19 years old. But then he was attacked by doubts about the Bible. You see, the writings of various scientists and agnostics disturbed him greatly. People like Charles Darwin, John Tyndale, Thomas Huxley, and Herbert Spencer. And as he read their books and listened to debates, Morgan became more and more perplexed and confused. So what did he do? He canceled all preaching engagements and put all the books in a cupboard and locked the door and went to the bookstore and bought a new Bible. He said to himself, I'm no longer sure that this is what my father claims it to be, the Word of God. But of this I am sure, if it be the Word of God, and if I come to it with an unprejudiced and open mind, it will bring assurance to my soul of itself. The result? That Bible found me, exclaimed Morgan. The new assurance in 1883 gave him the motivation for his preaching and teaching ministry. He devoted himself to the study and the preaching of God's Word, and his ministry touched countless lives through multiple generations. Perhaps more than 100 years later, we can take a page from G. Campbell Morgan's experience and study God's Word in such a way that we let the Scriptures speak to us to debunk the lies of this world and to give assurance to the doubts of our minds. Remember, as Christians, we need to be discerning with the help of the Holy Spirit because deceivers use subtlety and familiarity to mislead. Christians need to know what they believe about the Jesus Christ of the Bible in order to differentiate the real Savior and the imposters. Christians should regularly remind themselves of biblical truths to counteract the doubts and lies deceivers try to propagate. My friends, may we be sensitive to the teaching of the Holy Spirit through God's Word to help us discern and rebut the lies of Satan so that we will be unshakable in these uncertain times because we have the sure hope and the certainty of salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a time and in a world where there are many deceivers 
and there are many imposters. And because we are not grounded in Your Word, we often fall prey to what they are advocating. Help us to return back to the Scriptures. Help us to look to the Bible for truth that will push back against the lies we are continually being bombarded with. Father, I pray that we would center ourselves in Your Word so that we would be able to discern truth, so that when the imposters and the deceivers come and they try to shake our faith, or when doubts creep into our minds, we would be able to point to the truths of Scripture and say, thus saith the Lord, this is what Jesus Himself said, and that our assurance comes from Your Word, the God who never changes and the God who always keeps His promise. Father, bless Your people. Thank You for Your Word, which brings comfort to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.